602 days until the 2024 presidential election. Welcome to today's episode of The Mary Trump Show with the Nerd Avengers. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Hey, going well. Yes, it's a very gloomy day here at uh, Nerd Avenger headquarters. <laughs> so I I hope wherever you are, it's it's not quite I see so... the fire in your background. Very nice. That would that... be extra points on Room Raider, I suspect. I, you know, they only give me a 10 if I have a, a, like an exotic animal in the background. So <laughs> exactly. I was actually thinking of getting a slideshow of my parrot for the TV. Oh, well, better yet, have the parrot come. That would be like a 12, I think. He, he can't be trusted. He gets jealous <laughs> when I'm on Zoom and starts biting me. But uh, that is not really why we're here today. <laughs> Um, I actually wanted to, you know, we can go off in any direction we see fit, uh, but I did want to start with the, the sense that I have um, given the uh, the bank disaster, uh, the signature, sorry, Silicon Valley Bank uh, basically um, imploding and having to get bailed out by the government, even though they're a bunch of hyper libertarians, like <laughs> you're going to let the government bail them out, go figure but also, you know, this 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 seeming avalanche of child labor laws, uh, which you know used to mean laws to protect children against labor, but now it's the opposite, depending on what state you're in. So it's kind of beginning to feel like we're we're deregulating the things that that keep us safe, you know, like factories and banks and oil companies and child labor, but we're overregulating the uh, freedoms that make us human or that make it worth being human, like reading books or going to drag shows and a childhood free of exploitative labor. You know, So I kind of wanted to start with uh, Silicon Valley Bank and, and the child labor laws. Uh, and later on, um, we can get to uh, the indict the motherfucker, motherfucker already news. <laughs> if, if indeed. <laughs> It's even worth talking about anymore. So, uh, Jen, let's start with you. I think it's a great point. Remember way back when, like 10 years ago? No, cons- <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I know. Conservatives used to be, remember, this small government, small government. Mm. Um, and whether you agreed or not, you know, they had a kind of a philosophy that sort of mostly kind of hung together. Now it's big government for me and not for thee. Um, it's big government when they want a bailout. It's big government when they, and Mary is not exaggerating here, they want to allow 15-year-olds to work in meat packing plants in some of Fort, these states. I don't know, just to, just to clarify, um, I think it's Idaho, or I think so. Um, it's 14, and it's like carve-outs to allow children to work in refrigerant, like, uh, those massive freezers that they have. It's, so it's not just meatpacking uh, factories. It's the freezers in which they put the... And they want to be exempt if the child gets injured or killed. Yes. So uh, in what universe are we operating? I guess we're back to like the 1880s um, now, um, which makes sense because that's where the Supreme Court is on abortion and other things. So I guess we're 19. I'm, go- I'm going, I think they're gunning for the 1860s, but. Yeah, okay. exactly. So, yes. So big government, when they want something, when they need something, when they want 
a either a financial goodie or, for example, money for private religious schools. They don't want it for public schools, but give me a voucher so I can go to a Catholic school that discriminates. Um, but when it comes to pleas that from not P-L-E-A-S, um, that people um, stay out of our reproductive um, health or people stay out of the bedrooms or people stay out of the relationship between trans kids and their parents or people stay out of the relationship between doctors and patients, then it's totalitarian time. Then it's whatever the market will, will bear. And really, there is no consistent rhyme or reason other than the fact which the tie that puts all this together is they want to protect white, powerful Christian, primarily men. And if the government is doing all those things, they're helping real Americans. And if they're doing anything else, they're operating by elites or people who are un-American or foreigners or something like that. So it's this mass, mass um, hypocrisy. I mean, hypocrisy would mean that they had values and they were betraying yeah. them. So it's more like kind of moral chaos or moral anarchy. Um, but it's only in their mindset that they can claim on one hand to be horrified by, quote, socialists spending money on things like Social Security, but at the same time be asking for, um, you know, money to go prosecute women who are trying to have abortions. By the way, a bill in South Carolina would have the death penalty for women who are seeking an abortion. So, ladies, I would not go to South Carolina. Um, but that's kind of the hypocrisy that we live in. And I think what's important is that the rest of us make a moral case for when government acts and when it doesn't act. Government should act on behalf of the weak, the needy, um, those who need government to level the playing field to prevent them uh, from facing discrimination, harassment, um, and government should not be there to further enrich the already rich, the already powerful. And I think just as important it is to tell them to stop using government for these nefarious reasons, it's important to defend government for explicitly positive reasons, including trying to address uh, racial wealth, uh, racial justice, trying to address um, equal pay for women, which is still at 80 cents um, a on the dollar. Um, so it's incumbent upon us not to stand astride history to reverse Buckley's thing and say, stop, but to say, no, not that, instead this. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. what I hope um, progressive do, which is not only rail against the excesses on the right, but defend the proper use of government for the greater good. Yeah. Uh, and it, it seems that that's been entirely turned on its head. And, and Char, I agree. I agree with Jen. The, 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 the exercise in, in calling out their hypocrisy is futile. Um, but I, it is worth noting, however, that those who are screaming the loudest uh, that the government intervene in saving uh, this bank. And to be clear, the 
people who deposited money in that bank should have their money, should have their uh, their assets protected. Absolutely. But they're the same people who who pressured uh, the Congress uh, to de to deregulate small to mid-sized banks uh, because, you know, they can't cause that many problems. Apparently they can cause uh, a, <laughs> an economic, a worldwide economic collapse unless they get bailed out. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that we can't let get lost. Uh, and, and then, you know, I, this is not entirely unrelated, but I've been watching, I, I watched all quiet on the Western front um, a few days ago um, mm -hmm. and uh, much better movie than the other one, but um, most of them were, but the, the reason I'm mentioning that movie and I, I watched another, I don't know what's wrong with me. It's the weather. I have seasonal affective disorder or something. Uh, I watched a, a, a World War II movie and it's just this, this, you know, young working class, poor boys are just cannon fodder, you know, just, and here we are in 21st century America. Like who do we think those children are going to be working in those dangerous conditions? What families do you think are the ones not getting compensated because their children have been mutilated or killed? Uh, you know, I think of child jobs. I think, you know, you, you deliver newspapers, or you work in the candy store after school, or you're a camp counselor, you're a babysitter, or maybe like the only serious job is you're an actor, right? But that's, you know, that's it. Now we have kids who are going to be working in slaughtering facility i mean it's just it's so it's dickensian it's orwellian and how how does that happen and how is that allowed it, it's just it's sort of stunning that anybody even the the cruel governor of arkansas would think that's well i guess it makes sense that she would think it's a good idea but you know what i'm saying like what who else would i, I it, it that's that's sort of where, where i get hung up it's that for whom does this make sense? Because the majority of people who would need to have their children in those jobs probably don't want them there. Yeah. Uh, so right now I'm in the midst of writing a third book. And the chapter that I'm writing right now is about the collapse of democracy in Nazi Germany. And one of the things that strikes me is it collapsed so quickly. I mean, it's breathtaking. It was basically in the year uh, 1933, you started the year with a democracy and by the end you had concentration camps. And one of the things that the Nazis did, I mean, obviously they did a lot, but um, one of the things I'm focusing on is the corporate use of slave labor. And not only were men and women uh, enslaved to corporations during the Nazi time, they also enslaved children at the time. So you could be forced to work for a German corporation at the behest of the Reich. Uh, and some of that was just because of the laws that they passed. They decided very early on to have what was known as the Enabling Act, which allowed Hitler to make laws without the legislature. And that basically gave him complete power. And I think we see similar power grabs going on right now. And I think it's just incumbent on all of us to push back on that every time we see it. Because if when you don't push back on it, uh, you get incredible uh, concentrated power in the hands of a few individuals. And you get horrible 
human rights abuses. Um, many of the corporations that I'm looking at were prosecuted in Nuremberg for their human <laughs> rights abuses. And it, what, one of the things, Danielle, that is so worrisome, and uh, <laughs> thanks, Jared. not that I'm not aware, but it just sent a chill down my spine because here we are in 20, I think it's 2023, um, and things are arguably worse in a lot of ways than they were in at the end of 2020. Uh, and, um, and again, you know, the caveat of course being imagine how much worse they would be if Biden had won. I get it. But, you know, we, we are living through times where, um, senators, including some democratic senators and a democratic president, think it's perfectly fine to interfere in the self-governance of Washington DC that, ha which has no representation. And yet, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, et cetera, et cetera, the list goes on and on, are becoming these closed laboratories of fascism from LGBTQ+. I mean, what they're doing to trans people is just absolutely horrifying. Um, and, and now, uh, you know, nothing can be regulated. We've got people in Jackson, Mississippi who have poisonous sludge coming out of their faucets because they're mostly black residents and the white politicians don't care. They're trying to turn Jackson into a, a Jim Crow uh, city. I, I mean, and now we've got this child labor stuff happening. And how do we? Uh, yes, we need to raise awareness, of course, because I'm sure there are plenty of people who don't know what's going on in Arkansas or Mississippi and don't particularly care because it doesn't affect them. But this is not it's not like it's going to stop there. Right, Danielle? And I mean, it doesn't, there don't seem to be a lot of, um, especially given how evenly divided things are, there, and, and the fact that we have traitors in the party, like Cinema, uh, who, of course, voted against bank regulation, uh, and Manchin, there doesn't seem to be either the, the mechanisms or the wherewithal at the federal level to do anything about it either. I mean, I am not sure if there are not the mechanisms and the wherewithal so much as there is no will. Right. And, you know, to go back to an earlier point that you made, Mary, where you, um, actually that uh, that Jen had made um, with regard to, you know, we need to 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 use morality as, as a way to to have these conversations. And, you know, that it, it, I, it's the only thing that I will push back on, because in all honesty, you know, I go back to the old phrase, you can't shame the devil. You can't you can't right. hold people who have no shared understanding of humanity um, and think that you're going to create this moral code or recreate right. this moral code that you think that folks are going to abide by. I think what's really interesting about where we are and you saying that at the end of 2020, funny enough, we were better off than we are right now. I think in so many different ways, because 2020, 2021, and even parts of 2022 allowed us all at the same time to be able to look at the layers of injustice and systems that we have all been participating in and indoctrinated into and recognize how horrible they are, right? How there were some of us that were able to stay inside and stay safe from a pandemic while others that were low income, mostly uh, black and brown, 
we're delivering our goods and services, right? We're on the front lines. I don't think that it, it is not shocking then that the powers and the systems that be were rocked by workers regaining their power and deciding that, you know what? I don't actually have to work like this. I don't have to be a hamster on a hamster wheel. I don't have to um, get, uh, you know, provide my body, my will, and, you know, my spirit to capitalism, right? Like, these are all of the learned things that were happening. And we kept saying, we're not going back to normal because none of this was normal. It was just all indoctrination into a very abnormal way that we've allowed for our economy to move. And so now when you see all of this, all of these white cis hetero men in the midst of an obscene and disgusting power grab, right? From DeSantis to Sanders in Arkansas, all of it is part of the same white supremacist structure that saw people recognize just how unequitable, how uh, ravaged, our moral sense of standing has been for so long, but we just said, ah, that's just the American way. And now you see the forces that be doubling down and pushing back. The question that I asked last week in a piece that I wrote for the Daily Beast is, where is the siren from Democrats, like you're saying, where you're looking at these states, these petri dishes of fascism, where is their pushback? Where are the investigations into DeSantis by the Department of Justice uh, Civil Rights uh, Division? Where are these investigations that are being opened to show that people, LGBTQ people, trans people in particular, are having their civil rights violated in these places and are being put in danger? But when it comes to Black people exercising their you know, rights and voting for the things that they want, oh, in D.C., we can't have that. We can't have that, but we sure as hell can have fascism everywhere else. We sure as hell can employ, quote unquote, employ undocumented brown children into these factories that you sure as hell would not have your white kids in, right? And these are the questions that the media doesn't press these people on. We're just all shrugging and saying, well, that's the way. At least I don't live there. And what's happening there is coming here or wherever you are. I don't know if you've noticed, but I don't talk about the environment very much because I sometimes it, it sort of makes me heal, feel helpless. Um, so when a product comes along that gives me an opportunity to do my part to help the environment, I, I jump on it. You know, I don't I don't like feeling guilty about the state of the world. And I found Lomi. Uh, I realized that it was a, the perfect way to make a difference. Lomi allows me to turn my food scraps into dirt, into soil, with the push of a button. You'll love it as much as I do because, one, it looks great. It's sleek. It's a countertop electric composter that turns scraps into dirt in under four hours. There's no smell when it runs. It's very quiet. Plus, it's the perfect complement to a tidy, modern kitchen. Thanks to Lomi, I have much less garbage every week. And in New York City, that's a big deal. And since I'm throwing out a lot less, that means I'm not going to be filling landfills with my trash and producing more methane. Instead, I'm turning my waste into nutrient-rich dirt that can be used in a garden and that it enriches anywhere it ends up. And, you know, even though I live in an apartment, I have a lot of houseplants. Uh, so 
one, it saves me the hassle of having to get to go buy soil. And two, it just makes my plants grow better and be healthier. I've learned that uh, food waste makes up a huge portion of our personal carbon footprint. And with Lomi reducing the amount of food I send to landfills, I'm also helping do my part. You can too. And it also makes cleaning up after big meals incredibly easy. So if you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just make cleanup after dinner that much easier, Lomi's perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com. That's L-O-M-I dot com slash Mary and use the promo code Mary to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to L-O-M-I dot com slash Mary and use promo code Mary at checkout. Food waste is absolutely avoidable. Let Lomi save you a cold trip out to the garbage can. You can also find the link in the show notes. <laughs> so I'm having this whole conversation. And um, I, 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 uh, so I start speaking and then I heard Danielle speak and I said, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I did. I, I thought I just heard Danielle say something. And then I'm like, well, obviously I just heard, she just spoke for like two minutes. Obviously I just heard her say something. Anyway, apologize. Rookie mistake. I seriously do have seasonal affective disorder and this stuff is start starting to fry my bit. I brain. I just want to Gentile before we go to you and talk about it, the DOJ can't seem to open or close cases. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, when I say things are worse now than they were, I, uh, clearly in, on many levels, things are better. You know, that goes without saying. I, I mean, in terms of the future of this country, it's more uncertain than it was. And um, uh, the other thing I just want to clarify for people who don't follow these things as closely as we do, that indeed what DC was trying to do is to change the code of uh, the sentencing code not to be, uh, you know, not to let criminals go free, but to be more in line with the actual sentencing sentences that judges are handing down. So, you know, for carjacking, instead of 25 years to life, it, it just was changed to be more in line with judges are actually doing 15 years. And, you know, <laughs> it's what, 92 percent black city. And we've got a bunch of old white men saying, up. Oh, not punitive, not punitive enough. We, we need to punish people more, which, by the way, doesn't work. Uh, this, this country has the worst record of incarceration. And anyway, that's a subject for another time. But I just want to make clear what people, you know, so basically in Florida and Mississippi and Alabama and Arkansas, it's essentially illegal to be anything other than a straight, white, rich Christian man. Okay. Uh, and in DC, like they can't even change sentencing guidelines. It's just, it's something, it's, there's so much wrong, um, Jen, that. And, uh, I was yeah? just saying, and in some case, I think Democrats would rather have this example to point to and say, look how horrible the red states are, which they are, that actually reach in and do something because they know very well there aren't enough Democrats in these places to elect them. So from for their standpoint, they get more political mileage out of holding Santos up as a boogeyman than in rescuing Santos's victims. And that has to change. Um, that yeah. is absurd. And I put a lot of this on the Justice Department. There are private litigants who are yeah. suing DeSantis on the banning of um, 
AP African American history. Where's the Justice Department? There are plaintiffs in Texas suing pregnant women, formerly pregnant women, suing. Where is the Justice Department? Why is it all up to private litigants to bring these cases in red states? Is the Justice Department so short of help or so scared of its own shadow? I don't get I, it. I'd go with the latter. Um, for sure. And uh, we just learned that they're opening an investigation into what happened with Silicon Valley Bank, which they should. But the other stuff is in some ways more fundamentally, essentially important. And that's not being done. Anyway, Gentile, uh, Greg Oliar just wrote a piece on his subset called a good, uh, sorry, good crises gone to waste. And um, I think one of the things we're seeing play play out that he's pointed to is that you know after horrible things happen uh there's a certain there's a certain momentum uh that's generated so for example september 11th was the worst day i have lived as an american citizen anyway <laughs> in my entire life september 12th <clears throat> was probably the greatest example of unity, like global unity I have ever experienced as well. And of course, that got completely squandered. Like I don't, like there was no, other than um, <clears throat> Al-Qaeda, there were no anti, like we, it was the most extraordinary thing. It gets completely squandered because of that grotesque illegal war that was started by George Wars, started by George W. Bush. And then we had the same thing with the global pandemic and January 6th. We're now two years out from January 6th. And not only have we not used, remember that day? Remember the week after that? Just how horrified we all were how all over it the press was the you know the headlines the 90 font headlines the 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 pictures the commentary how devastated how afraid how galvanized we were and now on one side it's oh yeah those that of course they they were within their rights to do that. And now we need to break them out of jail and not hold anybody else accountable. And then on the other side, it's like, yeah, well, it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Let's just keep moving on. What do we do? Because I think Jen, uh, what that does is it makes us even less able to, um, to pivot when the next crisis comes, which of course it inevitably will either in the form of another pandemic, which I can't even imagine at this point, or potentially m more probable than possible, another attempted insurrection. I love being back, Mary, because I pay really close attention and try to find the question, um, in, the my, question in there. In my um, monologue. I thought, I thought when you talked about crisis, you were going to, remind us of the 2008 global financial crisis because you had just talked about SVB, but I see. Oh, you um, can, that, I mean, that was, that no, was one too. Look, uh, we're talking about, yeah. I mean, to me, um, what I saw go down after January 6th reminded me of the outrage 
around the uh, the time of early 2009 when we found out that the bankers at the banks that took money uh, from the uh, from the federal government or from Congress as well as took backstops from the Fed had paid out mm-hmm. bonuses and there was this complete mm-hmm. outrage. I mean. And I also saw what happened in terms of by the time Dodd Frank got through that it wasn't strong enough, but it was certainly an improvement over the years. Well, before I knew y'all, I was writing a lot about that. Um, and in 2018, when they rolled back, when Congress and the uh, and your uncle uh, signed into law the legislation rolling back, some of the Can most we just call him Donald. Donald, some of the most I really don't feel like I'm related um, to him anymore. When that happened, and I wrote about it, you know, I, I could sort of see, you know, and when I testified before that, before Congress in 2016, amnesia starts to settle in. So I, I know about this. Mm-hmm. And so with yep. with the with January 6th, I understood that immediately there needed to be, immediately an attorney general in place. And even before that, whoever was acting AG should have appointed a special counsel. And the fact that Merrick Garland didn't do it, and I called that shit out right away saying, you've got to move on this. I, I think George Conway had talked mm-hmm. about a special counsel, but mm-hmm. they needed to move on it immediately because I know the patterns of history. And I, even the most serious hot anger at how memories fade. And you must act. And, and this is something in business, too. You close it. Anyone who's done corporate deals and mergers, you close the deal when you can. There's an expression. Is it a blacksmith expression? Strike when the iron is hot. Yeah. It means something. And the lack of urgency. And people, there are people still who are like, you don't give anyone any time and you should leave him alone. I'm thinking, leave him alone? I'm tweeting. I'm not walking over to his office, standing <laughs> over his desk him, for and God's saying, sake. Mr. Garland, get at it. What do you mean leave him alone? I will not. Since when is me like saying, he, you know, the truth here? And it's true. And then he stalled and he stalled and he stalled. And, and also, only... by the way, Jen, I just want to point out, because yeah. there are a lot of people in that camp, you know, you're just so underestimating him. You don't know. You don't know. Well, yeah, we do. Inaction has consequences, too. And again, it's not like if you're it's not like you are annoying him so much that he's just digging in his heels and saying, well, then I'm not going to prosecute exactly. anybody. Nanny, Come nanny, foo foo. Jen Taub on her Twitter was so flippin' mean to me. Now right. I'm going to drag my feet. Oh, yeah, that's really happening. And if that's what Tubb we're talking about. Jen <laughs> killed American democracy. You heard it here first. But, but, but then the fact that we only get Jack Smith this fall, oh, come on. And this idea that it's a bottom up thing, bottom up, top down. There's no reason why they couldn't have done it in both directions and so right. on and so on and so on. But so if your action, if your question to me, I haven't read Greg's piece, is, um, letting a crisis go to waste, um, you know, the, t- the time to act is when memories are fresh and emotions are high so that there's public support. This is something we've known. We saw FDR do it. Um, you know, I, I often tell this story. I know Rachel Maddow told a version of this, but not the, not the entire thing, which is um, back then the interregnum was long. He comes into office in March. He's elected in November. You go between November and March, and the you know banks are failing, failing. The economy is suffering, and um, Hoover actually reaches out to Roosevelt to say, "Hey, should we make a statement together about you know closing the banks or doing something?" And, and, and Roosevelt's like, "Yeah, no, I'm good." And you may think of that with cold-hearted, but it wasn't because at the end of the day, when he came in, he came in and he had the power behind him. Right. Um, and he closed the banks down and only opened the ones that could uh, be saved. At any rate, the point is you have to act decisively. 
You have to act at the right time. And, you know, justice delayed is justice denied. Yeah. And 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 you mentioned the interregnum. And that's, you know, there are things that can be done around the edges to look. I don't know enough about how government works to know whether this is even possible. But the one of the reasons January 6th happened is because we let 79 days between an election and the handoff of power, which is absolutely well, can, in every other place. It's like, yeah, you move out. Well, the we next have, day. let me just say two things. About that. One, we do have the Electoral College, so we you do have to wait till December. And, and well, biggest, you just made my point that I know, I know. But where we are now, even within this construct of where we are now, though, um, you know, sh surely uh, much more could have been done. I mean, I do think there's something, you know, I, I was kind of joking, but like, um, right around the time between when it was clear, which was to me the next day, that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris had won, and the time, you know, shortly, like maybe five days later when the press announces it, and then you sort of see Donald not wanting to, uh, wanting to, you know, use the big lie. I, I think I tweeted out something like, this is why in corporations, when people are laid off, they give you a box and security escorts you to the door. The idea yeah. that... There wasn't, there's not a, there, you're absolutely right. It's too long. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's too, it's too long. The transfer of power takes too long. Um, and there was good reason um, to, you know, to get him out of there a hell of a lot faster. Yes, the, the, keys to the government should have been taken away from him, like immediately, just as a quick aside. When I first started doing media, obviously, I knew nothing about doing media. So somebody said to me, don't answer the question they ask you, answer the question you want to answer. Same rules apply here. So, you know, I'm just sort of setting stuff up uh, for you guys. And Jen, I know, Jen Rubin, I know you have something to say, but I, I just want to um, frame this. Uh, you can go wherever you want with it. It seems like when... Democrats have power they're concerned with maintaining when maintaining the system, maintaining the institutions, regardless of the circumstances. I mean, I think if you asked Merrick Garland that he'd say that's what he's doing, not realizing or not caring that to do so is to risk the future of American democracy. Republicans get power and they wanted they want to change things bend things to their will and their agendas. And now, as we've been talking about for a while now, we see that at the state level. And that just seems like another, like, oh, well, you know, it's 79 days. What are you going to do? Well, you do something. You make it shorter is what you do. I would just say, Jen, that we couldn't even Trump trust Trump to take a box because he put the <laughs> classified documents in them. So oh, he would have to be sent out with no box and we'll send you, you know, your family pictures later. That's how bad it was. Um, so I think um, what Jen is saying um, is kind of the natural balance between people who actually believe in democratic institutions on one hand, which would be the Democrats, and those people who have become nihilists and authoritarians and want to sweep aside whatever stands in their way. And so when they sweep things aside, you know, it's not going to be sweeping aside the things that benefit them. It's going to be the protections that restrain them. I think for Democrats, they have been so cowed, like the media has been cowed, into being 
about being called socialists, about being called radicals, that they are very apologetic, very incremental, even when they have power to do these things, which is remarkable. Um, and I think it's also the case, we have to realize the Democratic Party really is very broad. The reason why we couldn't get everything we wanted done in the first two years is because the Democratic Party depends on people like Joe Manchin. Right. And, you know, especially if we don't like Joe Manchin, if Joe Manchin wasn't there, there'd be a Republican there and they wouldn't have had them set the barest Senate majority anyway. So the Democratic Party, as wide as it is, can only be as progressive as its least progressive elements. And that's why you need to organize and establish beachheads in these communities. And that's why you have to shift the electorate the way Stacey Abrams did in Georgia. She right. just didn't switch it a little bit so that, you know, the daughter of Sam Nunn could win. She shifted <laughs> it so much that you got Ossoff and Warnock. That's how you bring about change. That's how you make yeah. the way. You don't move things just enough so that the most conservative Democrat can get in. You galvanize the public behind a progressive message and a progressive change. And Democrats are traditionally not very good at this. They're not very good at a singular focus. They kind of get all over the map. And then they quickly start, you know, bickering among themselves. So I think here is an opportunity to get on the same page. This bank and the people who were responsible for it, who gave themselves bonuses, should pay all the penalty. We're going to claw back those bonuses. We're going to claw back that compensation. We're going to do a full investigation. They should be barred from ever running a publicly traded company. They should be investigated for any SEC violations. They should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. And anything else is unacceptable. Anything else is a repeat of the crash in 2008 when, and I cannot believe that no one ever went to jail for anything associated with the financial crisis. I've always been one of those people who believes in the healing power of sleep. I think uh, Americans have this weird tendency to think that uh, sleeping makes you weak, but we need good deep sleep in order to restore and, um, recharge our batteries, right? So if you want to get fit, if you want to be a better parent, if you want to get more work done, there's one thing that helps and that's better sleep. With Miracle Made Sheets, you can tap into the power of self-cooling temperature regulation, which has been shown to improve sleep quality by up to 34%. Miracle Sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands. And their sheets use silver infused fabrics originally developed by NASA. Miracle Made Sheets are thermoregulating and are designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long. That means you'll get better sleep every night. Just imagine how great it feels getting better sleep every time you go to bed and not waking up because you're overheated, which is something that really interferes with waking up feeling rested and restored. Plus, Miracle Sheets are self-cleaning thanks to their embedded natural silver that prevents 99.9% bacterial growth. They stay fresh and cleaner three times longer than other sheets. So stop sleeping on bacteria. With Miracle Brand Sheets, you can sleep comfortably knowing you'll have fewer clogged pores, fewer breakouts, 
and fewer skin problems of any kind. So go to trymiracle.com slash Mary to try it today. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Save over 40% and be sure to use my promo code Mary at checkout to save even more and get three free towels. Miracle is so confident in their product that it's back with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash Mary and use the code Mary to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash Mary to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. You can also find the link in our show notes. That to me is the perfect modern example. Well, maybe there will be another one, hopefully not, but of, you know, we just need to not, we can't look back. We need to move ahead. The lives of millions of lower, lower middle class, working class people were destroyed by a bunch of billionaires who just got richer. I mean, it's just, I, that in that in not uh, pr- prosecuting people for torture and war crimes, but you know here we are. And <clears throat> Jara, I think kind of along the same lines, uh, you know, Judge just saying this needs to happen needs to happen as quickly as possible. Also, mm-hmm. Peter Thiel just needs to stop hap- being a thing. Um, and yet we're at this point where potentially, who knows? Um, because I guess it takes time. Yeah. Justice grinds slow, but fine, whatever. And in Georgia, apparently <clears throat> the word imminent means maybe someday, probably after you're dead, which is very different from what I thought it meant. Um, we're, we're at this point now and who knows what's happening with Jack Smith and, uh, Jen Tubman and I were talking about this the other day. Like if Donald does get indicted and the first thing he gets mm-hmm. indicted for is friggin' and again, it's not nothing. It's not, it is not hush a hush money thing. It's a it's a an elections fraud violation. It's very mm-hmm. serious. So I'm not minimizing it, but it's sort of like, yeah, and <laughs> I I mean, maybe that's just me, because I've been dealing with this for so long. But you know, that's part of the strike while the iron is hot when there's a crisis make the most of it to to affect change that's not going to happen when it's two three four five six seven years decades later and everybody's like who fucking cares anymore even though we should care but you can't just care in perpetuity when you're getting nothing nothing to keep you energized and motivated so in my world, uh, there's been a lot of speculation about what the Manhattan district attorney might charge Donald Trump with. And a lot of people are coalescing, again, around uh, a books and records uh, violation because the hush money payment to Stormy Daniels is mischaracterized as legal fees. Right. And then there's been a lot of discussion about whether the... Manhattan DA can change that from a misdemeanor to a felony if it was in furtherance of another crime. And a lot of people have been focusing on federal campaign finance crimes as the other crime. I think that is not where he is going. And part of that has to do with the hostility from the current Supreme Court 
to criminalizing campaign finance um, behavior. Oh, what I suspect, <laughs> here, here's, here's my wow. prediction, is that it is tax law because under the IRS code. You just made somebody very, very happy. <laughs> under the IRS code, uh, you, you're not allowed to deduct political payments as a business expense. And so I think the tax claim would be a more of a slam dunk than a campaign finance claim. That's fascinating. You All right, Jen I know you want to jump my in. My day, Chara. <laughs> Flipping love you. See, if she were the DA in that, I would feel so much better. Although I have to say, I feel much better about Bragg now that that other guy that disgruntled guy who quit and wrote a book stupidly. Mark Pomerantz, yeah. Yes, I feel much better now that um, people like Ryan Goodman, whom I respect enormously, have sort of, uh, you know, said, eh, not so fast, Mark Pomerantz. Um, and and don't forget, there's still Letitia James. <laughs> but, Danielle, that that's also kind of the problem, too. I have this real, I have this weird, and again, first of all, not that it's, not that it's insignificant, not that it isn't serious, but for for that to be for him to be indicted for that and not for trying to destroy America and killing over a million people, it's at the end of the day, it's not very satisfying. Oh, and it is. Let me. Do, I mean, if it's tax, I'm gonna. You know, it's like Al Capone. Only just, if you've written big, dirty money. I mean, you know, <laughs> for the rest of us mere mortals. But, but Mary, my next so book, into... my next book is called Tax Game, so you can see yes. why I'm happy. Okay, I'll, I'll just yes. not make this about me. Well, can, can, carry on. I mean, you can, but um, the point is, hey, it's Al Capone went to jail for tax evasion. It's the quintessential example. You, you know, get I what you get, and it, I, if, yes, absolutely. Okay. I mean, first of all, Donald's not going to prison. But, Danielle, there, there's one, and I know you all know this, but just to make it very clear, there's a kind of a difference between a mobster and somebody who actually was the leader of the free world. Mm -hmm. Okay, Because it's not just about punishing him, although it really is about punishing him. Don't get me wrong. It's also about setting the record straight and opening people's eyes, and I think we've missed our opportunity there. And that's what worries me. Um, I think that the opportunity has long since passed. I think that it passed, <laughs> you know, on, on, you know, January 10th, let's say 2021, right? I think that it passed when, you know, Merrick Garland was sworn in as the attorney general and waiting for him on his desk were, you know, was the Mueller report with 10 ways in which Donald Trump could have been indicted. Mm -hmm. Right. But he wasn't indicted as a, quote, sitting president. But the minute that he had gotten on that chopper and flew away from the White House and we thought poorly out of our lives, he that plane could have been brought down by the Department of Justice and said, OK, so not so fast. Right. He didn't have to open up his own investigation with regard to January 6th because he there was already work that had been done. That's right. So I, I think that, you know, we have to understand that. Um, white men in America do not get convicted of their crimes against humanity. And that's what Donald Trump and company has done. They have committed crimes against humanity, crimes against the American people. And just mm -hmm. like you talked about at the top with regard to, you know, uh, Jen Rubin saying, I, I 
said the same thing when I saw the news about SBB Bank. I said, you know, yeah, I know that the federal government is going to cover the depositors and that's great and fine. But do you know why this shit keeps happening? Because back in 2008, the Obama administration didn't hold these motherfuckers accountable, right? right. Decided yep. that these places were, quote, too big to fail, right? Yeah. And that it was fine for black and brown people who had been cheated out of their American dream because they invested in homes that they knew that they could, that they, that they were duped into believing that they couldn't afford, right? In order for a billionaire to have a 14th fucking home. So like I look at these things and I think, you know, great. If Donald Trump gets caught up and it happens to be around taxes instead of, oh, I don't know, using Fox to lie to millions of Americans that then had them instead inject bleach instead of go and get the COVID vaccine that had them, you know, believe that it, COVID was a democratic hoax or had people believe that they needed to go to Washington DC to fight to get their country back. If the thing that he gets caught up on is taxes, okay, great, right? Um, but what we want as people with integrity, morals, right? And an understanding in justice, is that we want Donald Trump to be held in front of the town square and made an example of. Because, oh, I want him in the Hague. Because in a just society, that's what that would look like. In a just society, right, rich white men would be held to the same account that poor black and brown people are held to for minor infractions, right? The mm -hmm. infractions that these people have bring down an entire economy, right? We put more weight behind busting a corner store dope dealer or somebody that's selling Lucy's, Eric Gardner, who paid with his life, yep. as opposed to those that commit crimes and disrupt or destroy the lives of millions of people. So, you know, the, our country is not, we, we're not going to understand justice the way that we actually want to see it because this country was not built on justice, right? No, and no. We understand that. I right. think the more that we'll take what we are given, I'm not saying don't push for it because I spend every day on a microphone saying exactly the same thing. But I'm like, if it's going to be taxes he gets caught up on, he's going to get caught up on something at some point, right? And I feel like yeah. it's imminent. But to your point, I don't know what the fuck imminent means anymore because apparently Miriam, Webster, myself, and every DA don't have the same fucking definition. And no. What's language is fluid i guess yes you know and what is remarkable is it's never like the right size okay january 6th has too many facts well mar-a-lago well no we can't really do that because other people make mistakes too and yes it's different but we still can't do that there is an excuse for every non-prosecution. The easiest thing you can do is decline prosecution because there's always another example. There's always complications. There's always somebody else. He's always going to claim he is a political victim. At some point, you have to file the damn indictment. You have to get the, the friggin' indictment. And I have more hope, frankly, that Bonnie Willis will at least get part of the January 6th scheme, even though that wasn't the violent part. That was the yeah. make up phony electors and try to steal the election part. I have more faith in her at this point than I do in Jack Smith. Um, but again, that's really kind of, once again, downgrading, you know, how people, you know, overcharge. We're constantly undercharging for poor black people. We overcharge for rich people. We undercharge. Um, yeah. And so when the, crime should be sedition, you know, we're settling for 
tax evasion and tax fraud. You know, so listen, I'll take it all. Uh, these things don't necessarily have to be one or the other. But unless we have an indictment on something that relates to his attempt to overthrow the government of the United States and supersede American democracy with an authoritarian autocracy, we will have failed. And all of Merrick Garland's nonsense about following the facts and following the law and no one's above the law will be just crap. Um, and he's got to do it. And, you know, time is a fleeting because pretty soon we're going to hear the excuse. It's too close to the election. That's oh, my God. I thank you for for putting the final knife in my heart. But yes. Um, and, you know, Gentile, that's exactly right. The, the, the lack of action creates false equivalence. The fact that a special pro whatever special counsel was appointed for to President Biden, but not for Mike Pence. It makes it seem like, you know, that made it seem like what there was this equivalence between what Donald did, which was criminal, and what Biden did, which was what happens all the time uh, when people leave office, probably. But I just want <clears throat> to I want to I want also to, though, to touch on the idea that, you know, we'll take what we can get. Um, well, OK, but. Why? I mean, and 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 this comes down also to the the failures of Democrats to seize the opportunities given to them by certain crises. Like, I'm sorry, but what Barack Obama did, or you know, al allowed to let slide, are banks too big to fail? I don't know enough about banks or economics to say that, but. Are the individual people who run them? No, I don't think so. I think they all could have gone to prison for the rest of their lives for what they did to, to millions of Americans. Um, we have Merrick Garland because of Barack Obama. Why is Merrick Garland had not been fired? Why is Christopher Ray not been fired? Why is Lou DeJoy not been removed? What is going on? Like, and it, it's that kind of abdication that just like, well, you know, that's the way that's what gets us here, Jen. And it's like, well. Yeah, that happened. What are you going to do? He's running. He's running for president. And that would just be unseemly. So great. So the next the next coup will be successful. Right. And then what we will learn our lesson? I don't know. What's interesting to me is um, Merrick Garland comes across as someone measured caring about the system much more than individual accountability. But boy, that man sure got what he felt he was entitled to. He was not the right person to be attorney general. It's very sad that he worked, you know, like a lot of people have excellent pedigrees and they play within the system and they're utterly brilliant. And you know what? He had his moment and he didn't get to be, um, he didn't get to be on the Supreme Court. I know lots of other people like that. I mean, not personally, but you know of them mm -hmm. and they move on and continue doing the next best thing for them. Mm -hmm. He was not the right person for this job. Yes, it was, you know, it wasn't like it was, let me tell you, no one comes up to you and suddenly surprises you, hey, tomorrow the president's going to nominate you for attorney general. You know, he had to have lobbied for that in some way. There's mm -hmm. no way it just, oh, he could have, he was not the right person for that job. Why did he even want it? Seriously. I don't know. I don't, I'm not saying he lobbied for it, but he, he didn't have to get that job. It should have been Sally Yates. 
It should have been someone. Mm-hmm. And then she could have immediately, she was already through confirmation. She could have put been put in yep. temporarily as acting AG. She could have immediately appointed a special counsel. Biden at that time, and I think he's done an amazing job. I think at that time, you know, whoever was whispering in his ear wanted this guy to get this position. And he just made a really, really big mistake. But wait, I'm I'm guessing, because what the hell do I know, that part of it was also people saying Sally Yates is, is radioactive because, you know, she got fired and we don't want them yelling at us. Because God forbid the, you know, the pro-authoritarians who were trying to overturn our government should be upset with our whom we choose for to be attorney general. Right, Jen? I mean, it seems like they're constantly playing into that, you know, the, the grievance and victimization on the right as if we should care anymore. So I wasn't part of the transition team. Oh, and oh. I don't know. Too, I mean, that's there too are bad, people actually. who were. I wish some of them would talk later, yeah. uh, frankly, about how this went down. Because it was, it is, and it will be, despite an incredibly, incredibly successful presidency, one of the biggest, biggest mistakes that Biden made. Well, and you know, the difference here is I absolutely think Mary's analysis is exactly right. They were too scared to put Sally Yates because the right would scream. But the right was not too embarrassed to put Jeff Sessions, Mr. Election. You know, denier, Mr. Election Suppressor, um, to put him in the spot for Attorney General. So, and Jen Rubin, somebody who was so racist that he couldn't get nominated for a judge in the 80s. Right. Now he's just the right amount of racist. Yeah. So they put the guy who couldn't be racist enough in the Attorney General, and the Democrats put in the guy who was. It essentially screwed by Mitch McConnell in the attorney general and who benefited more politically speaking, really, from those choices. So, I mean, I think and I think the problem is, is when Democrats um, and the media and people like all of us scream, don't put Merrick Garland in there. We're told, shush, we're supposed to be supporting the president. Don't you understand? Biden has to succeed. Well, Biden's not going to succeed by putting Merrick Garland in there, let me tell you. And if, by the way, Sally Yates had gone up there and they had roughed her up and she hadn't gotten confirmed, that would have been a political win, too, because we would have had a incredibly smart, capable woman up there, um, in essence, you know, arguing with the likes of... You know, Ted Cruz, pick it out. So there's never this sense that you can win by fighting. It's always, you know, risk aversion, risk aversion, lowest. And, and remember who their alternative was. And this is the other argument I got back. Well, who do you want? Doug Jones? No, I don't want him either, for God's sakes. Why is he? Although he would have been better than, he would have been better than Merrick Garland. But yeah, he still. Would no, have, but, not an old white guy. Think yeah, outside but, the box. Yeah, why do we have to have him? Why couldn't we have someone better? Yeah. That'd be fun. Um, that'd be really fun. Got some parking tickets. No, I don't. Um, but Chara, mm-hmm. Jen's point is so well taken because think about when all of this was happening, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you win and not by, you know, not by losing the popular vote, but even George W. Bush was like, I have political capital now. And it's like, well, no, you don't. You, you, you cheated. <laughs> But 
Joe Biden won by 8 million votes almost. That's political capital. But not only that, the person he beat had just, you know, done his best to kill as many hundreds of thousands of Americans as he could in a short amount of time. And he incited an armed insurrection against his own government. Why, like, did they not think that that was the best opportunity to play hardball and say, you, you think I can't appoint whom I want? They're criminals. We don't listen to criminals, right? So, so why do we, what's your, what's your thought about like why we keep missing these opportunities and, and why we can't take yes for an answer? Hmm. An actual question. Which yeah. Um, I am focused on the fake electors. I think this ah. is the low hanging fruit. Um, and I hope that um, uh, Jack, our special counsel is looking at this mm -hmm. because any American can go on to the National Archives site and find the names of every single fake elector because they have them all there. And that is arguably a violation of 18 USC 1001, which is basically lying to the government in a official filing. And yeah. so there are slam dunks in, in this area. And I would imagine you could add in some conspiracy to have the, the fake electors do what they did. And you could so add I an aiding and abetting forward. under section two. Yeah, Char, you're totally right. Totally yeah, right. I, I, and I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and Danielle, you know, what's, what I think is, is um, really important about going down that route is that obviously inciting an armed violent insurrection is horrific but it's what they were trying to do under the hood that could have the most long-term negative effects um i mean that fake elector scheme was it's not like it was just a couple of people spitballing this was organized it was networked it was planned um and yet still here we are what when is it? it's like almost april um I'm just like there just doesn't seem to be any urgency. And, and, and the, the real irony here is that Joe Biden is the best first, you know, he's had the best two years of a president in my lifetime by far. And if you think about what he came into office dealing with, it's absolutely extraordinary. And everybody forgets the context, but just think about it for a second. January 2021. What a nightmare we were living in. It was like a perfect storm of nightmares. And yet, if the people he's appointed don't end up indicting and convicting the people who tried to destroy our government, his presidency may go down as a, not just a failure, but the last presidency of democracy in America. Well, I'm not sure it can go down as a failure if it's not written about and the books are banned, if it is. Oh, good point. Um, good so point. So there's Silly that, yeah. um, you know, but I, I think that, yeah, I, I think that Joe Biden was woefully underestimated. I was one of the people that absolutely underestimated what he was going to be able to do. Me too. Um, he was seventh on so. my list. He wasn't even on my list um, <laughs> and say and say so all the time. Um, and he has been surprising and all of the things. I mean, he walked into a fucking sewer, right? 
Yep. Uh, and I've been able to do a lot of cleanup. But the fact is, our democracy is in worse shape now than it was in 2020, which is wild yep. to think about. But what do you think happens when nobody is, hold, is held accountable? You know, I even I, I say this all the time about journalists. If you were looking at this happening, everything that's happening in America, from the fake electors to the grifting schemes to the paying off a call girl to all of the things that Republicans have supported, have been doing to the rollout of fascism. If this were happening in any other country, do you know what we would be doing and saying? Right. Oh, yeah. Like you would lifting up DeSantis in a fucking New York Times article as here are things that Democrats could learn from Ron DeSantis. If Ron DeSantis right, we would send Navy SEALs in there because it'd be like Ron DeSantis, the Colombian Ron DeSantis is a threat to worldwide democracy. But the Floridian Ron DeSantis seems to be just fucking fine. So I, I think that, you know, the other day I did a you know, very scientific survey on Twitter. And I tweeted out and I said, folks, do you think that democracy is going to die in your lifetime? Right. And I'm assuming people are around my age or older. And most people said, yes, I do. I think I'm going to see the end of democracy in my lifetime. Right. If you had asked that same question in 2020, I think that people would have said right after the election, no, we won, we got it. The fact is you're watching these people, they're not doing this shit in secret, guys. Like they're doing it all out in the open and still not being held accountable, right? You have the, the GOP in Georgia saying, we're gonna remove Fonnie Willis because she's about to indict one of us. And there's dick that the Department of Justice, that the president, that anyone is doing to stop that. They basically have said, fuck you to the rule of law, to the Constitution, to the people of these United States and to democracy. And we are still, still sitting around wondering if we can shame them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's a that is not a strategy that works for people who have no shame. Um, you know, and, and think about it like that's this country is was well, founded by a bunch of horrible people, but um, and, and quite short-sighted ones who, who actually thought, you know, tradition and honor, as if they knew anything about honor, but uh, were enough to, to keep people uh, in their own lane. And clearly this is, this is not, certainly not, never been the case, but it's not at all the case now. In fact, they, they use their shamelessness uh, as as a, as a weapon, and and Jen, um, Taub, last last thing before we go, you know, uh, Danielle alluded to, um, I guess a, a New York Times profile of of DeSantis, and you know he was uh, apparently playing catch with somebody on Fox News very badly in very expensive suits, and CNN, Jake Tapper had a town hall with uh, a. Glenn Youngkin, whom I like to call uh, the little fascist in a sweater vest. And, you know, so it's not just that 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 um, DeSantis is depicted as somebody who's reasonable. He's being depicted as a preferable alternative to be the Republican presidential nominee. So it's much more serious. I, you know, it's just they're not just they're not just normalizing them as people. They're normalizing them as as future leaders of this country. 
which will end it all. So um, that's why I think uh, it matters so much when the one institution we thought we could count on failing uh, just feels so the Department of Justice. Oh, okay. And again, not like the Department of Justice hasn't been problematic in years past. Um, but, you know, this is their big chance <laughs> to uh, set things right. And they're just, <clears throat> I, I, they don't care. They, they think protecting the institution is more important than protecting democracy. I'm not really sure. But I, I mean, well, is it enough? Do you really think it is enough if we, if we stop it indicting Donald for the tax thing in New York? Okay, so um, I don't know. I'm a little. I'm feeling a little more zen about hmm. all this, wow. and um, it's funny. I mean, I there are different types of institutions that I have faith in, and I and I when you said, you know, Justice Department, you know, you know, I want, I want institutions to function. It's not functioning at the level I would like to see it to see it do. Mm -hmm. um, Daniel's. Um, scientific survey um they said in their lifetime and as opposed to what democracy so there's that um and yeah. you know i one of the institutions that i put a lot of my faith in is the institution of the power of women and by that i mean the folks here on this call by that i mean the networks of people who keep stuff going without credit the ones who you mentioned stacy abrams and everyone else she works with but also i'm thinking about our friend e Jean carroll yep. and her lawyer robbie kaplan who mm -hmm. are going going to actually literally be the first people who bring donald trump into a court of law i, I think he's going to be too much of a fraidy cat to testify but nevertheless there he'll be and so those institutions I'm proud of it. And let's not forget that Merrick Garland has decided that uh, defaming uh, E. Jean Carroll is uh, within a president's, um, you know, ordinary duties, but he's willing to say uh, other things aren't, you know, with, with no help. In fact, with adversity from the U.S. government, E. Jean Carroll is going to, with all the women standing behind her, throughout history who have had to deal with sexual assaulters is going to have her day in court. And to me, that is everlasting. And I'm, that's what I'm pinning um, my hopes on that institution has not failed. Yeah, I, I'm glad you pointed that out. I'm very proud to have Eugene as a friend. Um, I admire her enormously. And we cannot discount the amount of courage it has taken her to do that um so and and i that i actually i feel quite good about that i mean it it feels well i don't want to get ahead of ourselves because who knows um but just the fact that the trial's happening is is quite something i mean think what it took um so i i appreciate that jen and i if you can if you have a like a QVC code where I can buy that Zen thing you're talking about. That would be awesome because I'm not feeling it today. Um, but as you say, women have 
always, particularly black women in this country, but have always been at the forefront of fighting for change and, and justice and equality. So I'm also honored to have all of you here and the puppy as well. Sorry. <laughs> Is that a girl dog? That, no, it's my oh, uh, my dog Rocky. My apologies. That's right. I'm sure. I'm sure he's a feminist. Rocky wants That's to get okay. some credit for the help he's we, we provided. So yeah, I was actually thinking of Rocky earlier when we were talking about freezers and meat packing companies. But anyway, um, the boxer, not the puppy. Um, anyway, uh, it's always so great to have you all here. And um, as much as I, I I love our men, it's it's nice to have just women. It wasn't even intentional. It's just how it worked out. So, Char Torres Felsi, Jen Rubin, Danielle Moody, Jen Taub, thank you, my Nerd Avenger friends, for being with me today. And uh, I will see you hopefully soon. Bye, guys. Thank you all for being here today and thank you so much to Jen Tab, Jen Rubin, Chara Torres Felicity, Daniel Moody. I was awesome. Uh it's always great to hang out with them. And um re again, really appreciate your being here as well. Uh you can check in on uh, Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for our regular show. And of course, Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, we've got our House of Horrors. Going to jump back in. I apologize. Uh, I I threw my back out last week, and it's it's been something of a journey. So I was not able to be here, but we will be back on Friday, 12 Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. All of the shows are at YouTube.com/slash/Politicon, <clears throat> and um, while you're there. You can, if you click on that, you subscribe to Politicon, but you also get alerted every time a new video drops and uh, you can like the episode. You can leave comments there if you didn't get to see the show live. Um, and of course, you can listen to all of the shows in podcast form on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. Um, Five-star reviews really help us so if you could leave one that would be fabulous uh and i feel i feel like i'm forgetting something um oh yeah short videos also didn't do those last week for the aforementioned back reasons um but we'll be back with a bunch of those on saturday and that is it thank you again so much for being here i will see you thursday night in the meantime please stay safe and be kind <laughs>